Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have two very interesting guests uh, who have come to us uh, from, uh, from uh, I'll save that for later, but they are both cyber experts and we are having them as our new hosts for the cyber show. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce you to Olga Holoshuk and Jeremy House. Hi, how are you? How are you? Great. How are you doing? They drove in from work, so they must be very, very tired. You know how you know how tiring it is to look for spooks. Is that what it's um, so I know that Olga and Jeremy are are in, entrenched in the cyber uh, cyber section, cyber industry, and I want them to uh, to tell us a little bit about you know what cyber is. I mean, I, when I think of cyber. I used to think of cyber as uh, spies. <laughs> I mean, I spies as uh, in John Le Care, like who came in for the cold, as that kind of spy. Uh, and it isn't that way anymore. Uh, it is uh, artificial. Well, you can fill in the blanks. It's artificial intelligence, uh, um, digital information. What is it then, Jeremy? He's writing it down. <laughs> well, so so, so I, I haven't thought about it, a definition of cyber. I mean, I've, I've been in cyber for um, more than 20 years, and, and cyber is, to me, is an, it's a new term for um, something that we used to call information security or um, when I first got started, uh, information warfare in the mid-'90s. And um, the concepts and the principles – um, to some extent, the technology is, is really no different, but now we, somewhere along the lines, and I don't know the history of where the term cyber came from, but, but now that's the, the term that's in, in vogue and very trendy. Um, but, you know, cyber things have been around for much longer, you know, than people realize, you know, really since the, the birth of the Internet, which would be in the 90s. Um, so cyber, by any other name, is still cyber. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. I, but you know, when you think of like, what? How do you define cyber? Well, again, because you know, I come from a military background. Um, you know, cyber is uh, is a new domain um, where we tend to think in like the physical world of you have air, land, sea, and space, and then you have this virtual overlay, which is which is cyber, uh, and there's you know many parallels to 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 where that exists, but, you know, cyber, you know, it, it really is this virtual thing, you know, that, you know, what's the physical manifestation of cyber, um, you know, the, you know, the intersection of the cyber and the physical world is starting to become very interesting, but, but I, you know, I tend to think of cyber as of more of that virtual information, interconnectedness. It's a layer that operates, you know, on are, top are of the physical world. Are you more cyber air? Are you because of your Air Force background? Are you more cyber air? 
Uh, I, I don't know that I would say cyber air. I would just say cyber is its own thing. Okay. Um, separate from air. <laughs> okay, folks. I hope you're more technical than I am. Then you know what a cyber is. Olga, would you want to comment on? Sure, absolutely. I agree with with Jeremy's statement about how it's really becoming a new environment, and maybe a reality that we currently live in. Um, it's a dimension by itself. You know, of social media is cyber. Um, our daily operations, online banking is cyber. So it's the lines between that sort of physical world and our cyber world have really blurred and became just our new reality. Do, well, then do people who, or I'm going to use the broad term cyber, although I know InfoSec uh, more than I know cyber, but do cyber, uh, in the world of cyber, do you, do, do you choose a, a specific area uh, to specialize in or, or don't you? You specialize in cyber banks, cyber commercial, cyber whatever. Um, cyber threats. Um, this is something that our company um, really uh, deals with, is how do we identify and protect ourselves from threats that are coming to us from the cyber world. You, you're a threat specialist, aren't you? A threat. Yeah, yeah. I'm... Um, 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 an intelligence analyst by trade, but I also have a team uh, that specializes in threat analysis and investigations of threats. So, so I mean, I remember. Well, can, can, I, can I take a, a, a shot at that question? <laughs> you can. <laughs> so, so uh, cyber is much broader than I think people uh, fully realize. They, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that we hope to highlight in our show over time. Like, for instance, you know. Um, there are attorneys, for instance, that specialize in law related to, to cyber. Uh, you have analysts, you have engineers, um, software developers. So, so you know, cyber it, it is quite broad, and um, you know, you even have like marketing and product people that specialize in cyber. So, so, so it's it's really all encompassing. I, I wouldn't, you know, this is one of the things I, I hope that we can highlight in the course of our show is there's. You know, there's a lot of different ways to play in this domain of, of cyber besides just uh, from, you know, a hardcore engineering perspective. Uh, I remember uh, listening to, um, what was her name, the woman who had a, had a DHS uh, before <laughs> before she went on to, to be uh, chancellor of the California University's section and she had there was a, a big a, a big program on on cyber uh, sponsored by the Washington Post and uh, it seems like the, the information about cyber is is for, for their purposes was divided into that which was commercial and was it threats from industry or was it threats I mean from nations Know, who have a, a desire to to create havoc. Uh, and is that true in your world? Is it divided that way, that easily? It's definitely one of the vectors of um, cyber threats. Um, a lot of it is there is a human behind, um, threat actor component, um, be it somebody who's operating out of their own financial motivation and for their own gain, or they are operating based on uh, some directive from nation states, um, or they might have their own um, agenda. Maybe it could be um, uh, social justice, revenge. Social justice uh, yes, you know, people, um, we, we've seen actors use cyber world to launch threats against organizations. So it's becoming a means of conducting 
an attack on an entity. It doesn't um, matter what that entity is, then. It's, yeah. Whatever they, they seek the advantage to disrupt whatever is going on to their, uh, to their own viewpoint and their own side. Yeah. Everybody's operating on their own motivation. And you too, do you feel the same way? I mean, in your field? I would say the lines are very blurred. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's blurred because, you know, maybe the way that we think in the United States is a little bit different, but, um, you know, there's actors that, you know, have a day job where perhaps they work for a nation state and then, you know, at night they freelance and do, you know, their own type of work. So it's very difficult to differentiate, you know, a single actor from a, uh, you know, from a single, you know, there could be multiple motivations that are in play there. Um, you know, in the United States, we have, you know, law enforcement, for instance, doesn't work with the criminal underground, but in other countries, there could be more of a collaborative relationship or a coercive relationship than, than we perhaps realize. So, um, maybe between the underground and the law enforcement. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. how, how, I mean, I don't understand that. How can that be more collaborative? Uh, so, so, so in some countries, um, the, the law enforcement or intelligence agencies may employ or co-opt the the capabilities of of criminals to collect information on their behalf or, or do things on their behalf, um, and then you know they they could potentially use you know threats of throwing them in jail or arresting them. You know, in order to extract that. <laughs> well, we've always done that, right? We've always paid uh, paid for informers and paid for information. Right, so. but it's, it's it's different to like paying an informer and sort of enforcing an informer to work <laughs> to go out for to you, or, or or you know, just a, the mercenary attitude. Again, it's it's hard to generalize and say that it's the same place in, in in all locations. But but cyber in of itself, it makes it very difficult to figure out who's doing what. Who the good know, guys are like, and who, who the bad guys yeah, are. Attribution is is a is an art as much of it as is a science. Yeah, so uh, so you said something earlier that I I wanted to pick up on, and that was uh, in the in cyber versus infosec. What do you see as the major changes to, to the to that you're dealing with? The major influences or the major changes in in your your world. Is there are they more sneaky? Are they more sophisticated? You know, uh, technically, are they more sinister, more mercenary? What are the biggest changes from your side? You know, and you 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 aren't as much. Are you you don't work in threat analysis? Do you? I mean, you don't work with commercial sector. You do. I, I do primarily. Oh, so at this does. point, I primarily do. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. are there any changes you can talk about? Or I mean. I think that um, we see more and more um, threats hiding in plain sight right now. Um, we see motivated offenders, threat actors, going after the weakest link, which is usually a human. Um, the weakest link? The weakest link, yep. They're targeting the human through believable phishing campaigns, crafting something that would um, lower somebody's guard and make them click on a malicious file or open... You know, that so is something that we we that's stressed to us. Don't don't open any file that you don't know. And I, and, and that's true for answering phones too, right? Or can they get you by answering a phone that there's? I mean, we're under attack by all robo calls anymore. Every two seconds, it's a robo call, and so the the idea of not 
not being vulnerable by protecting your own information is critical, right? Absolutely. Right. So a little bit of a background on these folks um, to begin with. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but uh, uh, Olga is a, a security and intelligence uh, professional, and she has over a decade of experience in corporate security. Uh, open source intelligence, uh, threat and risk assessment. What else? Correct. Yes, a <laughs> lot of um, a lot of my work really comes from open source intelligence. It's gathering as much information as you can to um, create a risk assessment, to identify threats, to learn f- ways to mitigate them, and help our customers out. You know, it sounds like fun, though. I mean, it, I mean, I, I think about I think about being collecting data, and that's what I like to do. All right, that's the person's line that's putting the puzzle together, isn't it? Like a puzzle palace, or you're thinking like a puzzle, okay? Um, and, but before she joined Looking Glass, which is the company she uh, works for now, uh, she was um, in research. She prepared uh, a lot of research uh, assessments based on what she's talking about, the collection of data and, and, and uh correlation analysis of intelligence data uh, for uh, the for the law a law firm yeah. absolutely it's intellectual property and technology law firm that would be uh, very very important today because of everybody getting uh, getting their their clearance oh we have to stop for a moment so uh, can we'll be right back we have a word from our sponsor you are listening to the workforce show on WERA 96.7 FM. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and iTunes. Now uh, to Jeremy, and who is uh, the uh, Jeremy Haas. He has 24, he mentioned that, 24 years in, in Central Intelligence Agency and in U.S. Air Force, right? Right, combined. And combined there, because I read that at first, I said, 24 years in he's not even looking he doesn't look that old <laughs> and then I, I reread it and I realized it was a total combined of 24 years okay he um, was at the Air Force uh, and he supported he was in, t- in intelligence most of the time uh, all the time in both the uh, CIA and uh, the Air Force and he has uh, he, he was when he was th- with the Air Force he was uh, in a, a, a skiff called Warfare Battle Lab. Was that it? Right. It's an organization that that, uh, no longer exists, but it was called the Air Force Information Warfare Battle Lab. But, you know, again, that was in the in the late 90s. and, And, you know, that is reflective of the language at the time. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I think maybe that could be their name of the show. The well, information warfare, you know, this, the term alone has, you know, certain connotations to it that are, oh, okay. that are, that are somewhat that. aggressive. And I don't know if it's <laughs> right, uh, we won't do that, necessarily but. anything that we want to suggest as part of the show. By the way, if you're listening and you have an idea for the name of a show, you can email me uh, at, at the uh, workforce show at Weira. And we will throw give it to them and they'll, they'll be able to to make a decision about that, uh, about your idea. 
uh, as well. But um, you did a lot of high, high profile, excuse me, high 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 profile in, uh, security for the president uh, of the United States and other senior uh, makers. What kind of can you talk about any of this? What kind of security were you involved in? Well, well, so I'll just I'll just clarify. Um, so the, you know, the mission of the intelligence community is to collect information and provide that information and those analyses to to policymakers, of which you know the president is one of those. So I, I did work on projects that um, that did uh, eventually deliver information to those policymakers, including the president. But um, I'm not prepared to talk about that okay. today. And beside um, that, today it doesn't matter because the president doesn't pay attention to CIA and other agencies. So, so that, I don't know whether I should have said that or not. But Well, I, I don't have first-hand knowledge of that. So okay. I, he only collects the data. He did with the data. He only researched it and made some recommendations uh, for the company. Okay, so... Um, so in the uh, the cyber attack research uh, on your side in the in the military and in civilian, what, what are the what kinds of cyber attacks are you seeing? What kinds of threats? Well, um, so so I'm not. I mean, I'm not working in in quite that domain anymore. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm in the private sector at this point. So that, you know the types of attacks that. We see, and you know, really, I would defer to Olga as as, as being able to, to 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 speak to these more specifically, um, because you know we see what um, you know small, medium, large enterprises are, are facing, and then we also have a perspective of, of what our clients are seeing because they, they come to us with with client uh, you know specific questions. Sometimes it's questions that they can't answer themselves. And so they asked for for our expertise to, to provide some sort of assessment, but you, you you know what you see is you see a huge volume of activity that that you know is ranges across the full spectrum of of techniques and in, and advancement you know from you know continuous scanning of our you know perimeter networks uh, to to more specific probing uh, you know we see. Um, you know, we and our clients see you know, customized emails of a malicious nature being spent, sent to you know, persons of interest or per- persons of influence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, there's so much activity that it, it's very difficult to, to, cat- to categorize or classify it in any particular way because it's, you know, it's across the board. But, you know, I agree with what Olga was saying earlier, you know, that, you know, humans continue to be... Um, the, the weakest link, the weakest um, from, link from what we see. So, uh, but, and the strongest and it, link because they're the ones that are creating the threats to begin with. Right, right. Yeah, there's always there's always a human behind. There's always some sort of motivation. Yeah, behind that activity. Well, you're the uh, chief security officer uh, at, at Cyber at Looking Glass Cyber, where you're both uh, from, uh, and so I and you you work in the commercial sector. Now. Yes, primarily. So I mean, we, we, see, we, have, we have commercial clients and we also have some government clients yeah. as well. So you, you see the range of, of threats that are coming. I remember uh, after 9-11, uh, I was at a meeting and uh, the, the, one of the uh, speakers said that just before 9-11 occurred, 
there was a spike in malicious activity. They could see it. it was underground, and all of a sudden it spiked. Can you can you tell things like that now? I mean, that spiking. There, there's a something going on underneath, and then all of a sudden it spikes. Can you? Yeah. So I so I hadn't heard heard that. So I, I can't I can't confirm that 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 you know that that happened, but. You know, in theory, you know, depending on what you're monitoring and if you have enough sensors in place, I mean, there's a there's a couple things you could monitor for, right? So if you have sensors in place on your network or, or uh, you know, across um, multiple organizations in their networks or across some, some sort of um, backbone, you may see an increase in traffic, sometimes, you know, some sort of probing or scanning activity. So you can certainly pick up on that sort of thing. Um, if you if you're the type of uh, organization you know of which we are where we we monitor um, threat actors and their you know their activity and so you've identified these bad actors and you're you're tracking them it, you know and, it, and it, if 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 you if you're mm-hmm. a part of those conversations and you notice an uptick but but I don't I don't know that you know I don't know that there's ever been a, a cyber correlation with September 11th. And those those ter- terrorist activities. So, you know, who's to say well, if that, just, this is, yeah, if that was coincidental that was or if it was actually causal? Okay. And large scale events typically tend to get attraction or, or causes you know more activity and targeting. Uh, we've seen that with the elections. We see it even with the Olympic Games. They're coming you know, up in Tokyo. Games would be the same thing. Like yeah. suddenly you're seeing a lot more activity because the Olympics. You don't know whether they're bad actors or not. Well. Yeah, I mean, our, I mean, for instance, our clients, al- almost every major event in, in the U.S., they ask us some sort of question about Absolutely. whether the Olympics or if it's the, the NBA, you know, yeah. All-Star Weekend, um, you know, anything that, you know, would have a, a gathering of people, um, you know, it, you know, is of interest because, you know, large corporations, you know, tend to have some people that they're interested in protecting at those types of yeah. events. Yeah. But before we're running out of time, but before, and before we uh, we end this conversation, which is I find interesting, but I'm so much in the dark on this. Five, we have five minutes to, to so I want to ask you both uh, to comment on uh, what you see in the future for the kinds of threats and the kinds of things you're preparing for and the kinds of activity that you expect to come down the road. Can you answer that, or is that do I have to kill you? <laughs> I don't know. From from my position, I think you know we we've um, talked a little bit about exposure of personal data and exposure of um, humans and consumers um, being at the mercy of companies who might be having their data, possessing their data, anything from marketing companies to um, really any big company right now. And I think what we're expecting to see down the road is perhaps a little bit more of that regulatory vigilance around how do we protect the data? What are the ramifications when the data is leaked? How do we really structurize and unite both consumers, providers, and regulators um, on a more unified front to tackle this issue? So I I, I see that you know with the with the GDPR in the European Union and California Consumer Protection Act that's mm-hmm. coming in next year. I think we'll see a lot more discussion and some challenges being posed by this issue. Very good. It, it's interesting Olga said that because you know that was one of two things that I was also going to mention is 
you know, regulatory and legal frameworks tend to lag behind mm -hmm. technology because it's evolving so 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 rapidly and and cyber pre presents of, of some complicating factors right historically laws were enacted and enforced based on geographic domains and as as we just were talking about cyber doesn't always have a very clear cyber or a geographic mm -hmm. uh, association with it and so, so it, it's really merging and converging the world in a way that, that we just haven't seen in the physical world. And so regulations like what Olga mentioned, the EU's GDPR, are having impacts in the U.S., even though it's you know, an EU regulation because of that um, transnational aspect to it. And there's a very fine line between security and privacy. You know, GDPR is about privacy, of which security is a piece of, but they're not exactly the same. So that's leading to some, you know, interesting dynamics as, you know, what probably will be like any other industry is eventually it's going to be sorted out by the courts over time as cases are brought before them and, you know, case law is established. But you know, that, you know, you know, it isn't happening to, to yeah. the full extent. The, the other thing I'll mention is, you know, other than just kind of this, this you know, legal framework, security, privacy is um, Internet of Things. So, you know, Internet of Things are these embedded systems, computers that, you know, may not have uh, an easy way for a user to interface with them, like, you know, a mobile phone or, or, the, or, or a computer but yet they're connected to the internet. And, and so uh, I alluded to this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the different domains of airspace, land, and cyber is Internet of Things is beginning to highlight, again, this convergence of the cyber realm with the physical realm. So your Internet of Things security camera, which is now connected to the internet, you know, the security of that could have some impact on in the physical world or your refrigerator connected to the internet or your uh, your car, your car, <laughs> you're driving around. All of your, a sudden somebody takes control, you know, a, 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 a city's power grid uh -huh. right now. So now you were starting to see these things, you know, over the past 10 years, it's, you know, the theoretical of the cyber affecting the physical world. You know, we're starting to see those incidents happen and they're happening with greater frequency and industry is going in a way that we're going to continue to put these devices on the internet um, and they may or may not be secure. So I, I, I see that as a trend that's going to be really interesting to to evolve because, you know, typically, you know, most users, we talk about user education and users being the weakest link, you know, users are, are just now getting to the point where when they're alerted to update their operating system, they, they, they click and they install those updates. But what happens when that's um, a device that doesn't prompt you and you don't get a, a notification and there's no 
click yes button you're to, talking to do about the updates. The average, average right the the, the 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 average user right and and you're and again you're to, to continue to use this weakest link you know analogy you're only as strong as your weakest link and yeah but it's not i mean that's important for sure but i'm thinking about the corporate links the like uh, somebody once used the example of a health you know the health technology somebody has a heart uh, pacemaker <laughs> and somebody can control the pacemaker from some other yeah, the, the, I mean, there's companies already been who have demonstrated vulnerabilities because those pacemakers, you know, make call back to a central monitoring <laughs> station. They may accept commands, and yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's so, a, you know, medical equipment connected to the internet, and you yeah. could you know cause it to. There you go. Listen, I want to ask you: How does one prepare to be a cyber or infosec expert, like like both of you are? What 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 do you have to do? I think there is a plethora of programs right now, um, educational programs and degrees that one can get. But I think that um, innate curiosity is really important, is um, you know, being excited about what you do, um, taking things slowly, being comfortable and making mistakes because all different attacks erupt every day. You will be catching up sometimes to these new uh, vectors of attacks, but it's all about having an open mind, being intellectually curious and willing to do work um, and foreign languages help as well. <laughs> like you're talking about the soft skills. Absolutely, so. yes. Well, what do they have you have to have to have a degree or a certification in, in any of this? Is that a requirement? It certainly helps. It gives you a lot of technical skills and things are necessary for all different specialization of cyber careers. Um, we would strongly urge somebody to pursue that if they're interested, but it's not always necessary. We have folks in our teams who have legal degrees, who might have um, degrees in psychology, which is also useful. So it's a blend of all the different skills that help us really be holistic about how we look at cyber threats. So, so we could we could devote a lot of time to what it takes to you yeah. know, get into yeah. the cyber field, and especially Absolutely. with the diversity, you know, of uh, of the field that it is. I, I agree with with Olga. Curiosity, uh, hunger to solve problems, um, being willing to always learn are really important because it's it's rapidly mm-hmm. evolving. But but I would say hands on experience is the most important. So. Uh, you know, s- experience with security tools. I think programming is important. Um, experience with penetration tools, even digital forensics. H- having a solid background in that, you you can get into the other areas, but those are the the, the things that I think if you have a, a solid understanding of you, um, it just lays a really good foundation for you know, regardless of where you want to pivot from that. When your company Looking Glass. Uh, how do you hire? I mean, do people come in with all these degrees and different backgrounds, or do you have a career path that for different aspects of cyber, or, or how, do, how do you do it? Well, I mean, we, we, we hire people at all levels, and it, it's it's difficult to generalize. Um, so, so we do hire people who have more experience and who can mentor those that, that don't. Um, but, but we tend to look for, for people who have some experience, um, I, you know, there's larger companies, even the government or military that, that, you know, are more willing to take on, you know, junior people and they have robust development programs, uh, to, 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 to do that. Um, you know, we tend to look for people that can make an impact on day one, but it doesn't mean that, 
um, you have to have, uh, you, you know, you don't have to have the, the, you know, the ideal background, but, but there's usually some specific function we're looking for that person to do, and we need to see some sort of demonstrated expertise in that or uh, aptitude to be able to accomplish those tasks. And as Jeremy, as you've pointed out before, you know, always being willing to learn more. Um, our company actually offers uh, very extensive benefits when it comes to additional education uh, opportunities, um, certifications. Our employees can pursue those through the company as well. Is there anything, uh, I want to ask you one other question about your hiring. Uh, you know, so people at different stages and different experiences come to your to your organization. Are there alternative ways of, of working there? I mean, can you work as an intern or as a, an apprentice? Yeah, yeah, so we have limited intern uh, roles, uh, mm -hmm. depending on, you know, we have engineering roles, you know, software right. development roles. We have uh, intelligence analysis roles that are that it can be part-time or, or not part-time, but interns. But we also have, uh, you know, a fairly robust um, cadre of part-time employees for, really? for you know for people that are looking you know they already have full-time jobs and they just want to supplement what they're doing or they perhaps want to branch into cyber and so we have uh, quite a few part-time individuals who man our 24-7 365 uh, operations center um, so it's a great it's a great way to, to get some exposure to cyber uh, without you know jumping into it you know uh, all in you can do it part-time on an hourly basis. I think it would be a very exciting career. I, I mean, you're, you're reading, you're analyzing, you're finding out where the bad, bad seed is, and you're coming up. So anybody who likes puzzles and has absolutely puzzles would be really great at, the, at your cyber world. Yeah, I have a guy who works on one of my teams, and he, he describes his work as like a video game. You know, there's like a a new task that comes every day and he gets to jump on it and it's like it's a problem to solve and he, he likes the ever-changing environment and it keeps him engaged. Okay well listen uh, I want to thank you both very much for coming in and and sharing your your experience and and I, I want to say that they are going to do a show uh, once a month for now on cyber and if you have uh, you can we don't know which day it's going to be but uh, we, we will have to uh, you'll tune in and you'll hear a great <laughs> a great show. Uh, we have Olga Poldashek uh, and uh, Jeremy Haas from the, the Looking Glass Cyber. Uh, I, I feel like Cinderella or something when I say Looking Glass Cyber. <laughs> Never I think of that, but it is a pleasure to have you both on the show with us and to and to, to inform us about cyber and to inform us about who you are. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Much. Looking forward to working with you. Very excited. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.